their secret mountain lair somewhere in Colorado, this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Jason O'Dell and Rick Walker. Hey, everyone. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. Glad to be here with you guys this week. And we've got another fun show coming up, right? Because none of our shows are boring. They're always awesome. They're they're incredibly awesome. Yes, we're going to. Every single time. Perfection on your podcast coming through. So um, <laughs> uh, we, we've had some, some fun. We... Um, well, I just got back from doing a workshop in Georgia. It was great. I had a really fun time, great clients. Um, and, and we had a blast. Um, and it got us to think we've been talking about different kinds of shooting environments and it can come up in any kind of, um, any kind of photography. It could be landscape photography. It could be travel photography. Uh, you go to an environment or you go to a, a location, if you will, um, and you just get overwhelmed because of the sheer complexity. There's so much to shoot that you sometimes can get brain locked. Is that a good way of talking about it, Rick? I think so. And, and, you know, one of the things that happens when your brain is locked up like that is you start getting, you know, a little bit of tunnel vision on ideas and, you know, all you can see are the big expansive shots and boy, you can use those up quickly or they don't even work just because the, mm -hmm. the scene is so darn busy. Yes. And busy rarely works. You know, you, you know, sometimes we've been doing workshops and we're talking to students, tending them about, you know, what they're seeing and everything and what they're trying to get. And if the answer is, well, I'm trying to get it all in. Yeah. It doesn't work. And then that's why sometimes you have to cut over to the kinds of things that we'll talk about today. Exactly. So this is the situation that happens a lot. You know, you get somewhere and you see everything. And what do you do? The first, your first reaction is I'm going to put the widest possible lens on <laughs> and I'm going to fit everything in the frame. And this happens in a variety of in, in shooting environments. So um, this could be when you go into a, a forest, like we did shooting in a, I did shooting in a redwood forest with clients once um, or, or, you know, or even vast open landscapes. Um, last weekend in Georgia, I was at the um, really fun spot old car city usa which is 40 acres of of rusty junk cars uh, going back to the 30s um and and it's not the kind of place where you have the solitary rusty pickup truck in the field full of sunflowers you know which is a different shot this is everything stacked up very close together and you're kind of you're under forest cover and that but but you could also describe it in 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 travel like you go into a town square and there's so much stuff there and you know, we did that in Croatia. Remember, I mean, when, when we did that, you know, there was a lot of places where if you tried to get it all in, it would be overwhelming. Well, just to further, you know, follow that idea, you and I were talking about Croatia because it is a really cool spot. And it looks like you may be able to go there um, later this year and, and do something mm -hmm. similar to what we did, which hey, was I have a plane ticket. great fun. But, you know, one of the things I was mentioning is, you know, it's an interesting idea in, a, in one of the cities like Split, which is, you know, wonderful city, lots to see. You got a lot of the broader shots, Diocletian's Palace and 
you know, the, the waterfront area and things like that. What if as an alternative, you were going to do split only through details Mm -hmm. and tell the story about what split is that way. I think it actually could be really cool. And there, there's a little bit of a burden lifted since you have those other shots. Now you can shoot a completely different way. And, you know, we did a little bit of this, you know, on, on the trip, because it's always a good practice to mix it up, but just go exclusively that way. And I think it actually could be quite cool. It can be. And be I very think very different. I think what you bring up is an excellent point, which is you're, you're taking pictures. Uh, why are you taking photos in the first place? You know, one, of course, you want memories. Uh, the other is you want to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And and how do you tell that story? And if everything's a wide shot in your storybook, it it just won't work. I mean, you need those other pictures anyway. Um, so so when you get into these environments, again, it doesn't matter what the 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 location really is, um, and it, and it doesn't have to be you know the the massively overwhelming either. You can just take this approach, but you can start looking into close ups as a creative technique. And and by close-ups, we don't mean macro shots. I mean that's you know they could be, not, but they, I mean yeah, they I mean have you, to be at could, all. but we're not we're not talking stuff with a macro lens necessarily, but we're just talking about things where you start to choose compositions where you um you, you really try to identify specific subjects and make conscious decisions about what to include and what to exclude from any particular frame. And that's, that's where it gets interesting. But if you do this, you can often overcome that creative brain lock that you can get in these situations. I mean, so when I was in old car city last weekend, I shot exclusively with my, uh, that new 24 to 120 S, um, the Z lens. And it was perfect because by Mm -hmm. zooming and, and it actually focuses pretty close. I think it has a it has a a magnification uh, reproduction ratio of like one to two and a half or something. Oh, that's like great. Or one to, you know, it's one to two point something. That's, that's it's good enough for really good. Things. Yeah. For most things, that's more than enough. We're not talking one to one. It was, it was outstanding actually. Um, but, you know, you come up to even, even an old car, you know, it's like, well, how much of this do I put in the frame? Do I get the headlights? Do I get the windshield? Do I, just getting close on a license plate frame or a you know or an emblem and and these are great questions and and you know spending as many hours as we did there it it really starts to work out because you start seeing things differently When, when you're not trying to get quote the big picture of everything you can really dial yourself down to doing better shots of more isolated subjects right and, and, you know, we've talked about the idea of, you know, getting close, you know, to get a shot. And then the thing that you need to do is after getting close, get even closer because mm-hmm. you never got close enough the first time. You know, a corollary is simplify the composition and then simplify it even further mm-hmm. to get down to just the core simple things, which could be colors and shapes or something that makes the subject recognizable, you know, yes. to a viewer. And again, allows that story to be told. You have lines, shadows, and light 
shapes and colors and textures. And, and just to reinforce something you were just saying, this isn't just about the story. It's also about the graphical mm-hmm. things, the colors, the shapes, the tones. That also, those can be accentuated when you, you know, shoot tighter and, and simplify your composition. And, and what it does to me, at least, is it forces me to look for those elements in my scene and then, and then dial that in and then go in close. Oh, the light is hitting this cool. There's some nice side lighting or there's a nice little, you know, the sun is hitting something and creating a light and shadow pattern. You wouldn't see that in a wide shot but you'll see it when you get in close. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that works out really, really well. Um, And I think what's cool about it too, is it can um, lead you to processing. It can lead you to composing your exposure. You know, you can do a lot of different things to, to isolate those subjects. And there's a variety of techniques um, both in camera and in post that you can utilize that. And so let's, I mean, I think we should spend a couple minutes just just talking about those things. So like step one, you you have to see, right? You have to identify something. You go, oh, that's, this is a cool old car. So like we had, you know, old Cadillac or old Hudson's or DeSoto's mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like, well, what part of this is cool? You know, what, what and, is and interesting? And what part of it is distinctive? Right. So it could be a hood ornament. It could be. Right. Just, it could be a tail fin on a late 50s or early 60s Cadillac, right? Exactly. Super, super distinct. Or it could just be a leaf fell on that car and there's an interesting juxtaposition between leaves right. and pine needles or a light beam hitting it uh, through the forest in this particular case. So, so you look to identify those kinds of granular details and set up your composition. And, and let's just very quickly think about the Croatia example because I think there's some good analogous but slightly different things there so what makes that area different than others what are some discriminators well you know one of them could be food so you could do food photography like the really great um black risotto made yeah. with cuttlefish ink which you know to a lot of people wouldn't sound good but it's utterly awesome you could have you know a little bit of food photography showing something unique like a lot of places in Italy, they have gelato stands all over the place. Right. You know, you can get up close and personal with the gelato, you know, the nice woman selling gelato behind the counter and a little portrait of her doing something. Um, there are all sorts of interesting details about what makes a place or a situation unique. And you just need to think about those actively, not wander into them, but think about it what Mm -hmm. struck you when you first went there what struck you with old car city you know um which kind of cars in particular you know what kind of color patterns were exciting those are the things that you end up wanting to put your attention on yeah now when you approach them if you're talking about getting in closer right Mm -hmm. one, one of the nice things about details and getting closer is that uh, when you want, when we're talking about simplifying your composition, part of that is just, you know, dialing in on a particular subject, eliminating certain things from the frame. But the other part of it is controlling your backgrounds, because if everything is shot at like you know f twenty two or something like that, right? Um, 
the backgrounds can become very distracting. Um, and this is where modern digital cameras have some really cool things that you can do. So traditionally, you know, just if you're using a longer focal length, focusing fairly close, you get nice blurred backgrounds, right? The problem mm -hmm. is that you, you run into depth of field problems because you start getting too close and then not enough of your subject may be in focus. But how do you control that background? The traditional way was always to just use your aperture, right? If you want more depth of field, you stop down. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things we, we were doing in, in my workshop was using focus stacking um, because many of the new or most, if not all of the mirrorless cameras now offer some sort of in-camera automated focus shift option. Um, I had clients with Nikons and Fujis, and you know, they all do this, right? Your Olympus does this. Sony's don't. Sony's don't do okay. Well, yeah, well, kind of weird. on them. Um, yes. yeah, go go figure. But but anyway, in the past, I've always thought about focus stacking as a macro technique. You know, how do I maximize my depth of field? Mm -hmm. Because things you're, you're very, very close. And so, you know, you take 15 or 20 shots and you blend them all together. But a byproduct of focus stacking is that you're not required to, uh, for, for isolating subjects, you don't have to shoot them at F16 to get it all in, in focus. In fact, you can shoot them at F4 or F5, you know, whatever, you know, some, mm -hmm. some more open aperture, right? And when you stack the images together, you, you don't need any more, uh, any more um, photos than what covers the, the, the depth of your actual subject. And the, mm -hmm. the byproduct of this, which is outstanding creatively, is that you can have all the depth of field you want for your isolated subject, but still retain the, the, the out-of-focus background and get that subject isolation. One thing I'll say, because it was an experiment that I did within the last week or so, with some of the newer cameras, it depends on how they're implemented. Unfortunately, Nikons don't work well for this because it's having to start yeah, the menu from a menu as opposed to being able to press the shutter button. But what you can do if they have good IBIS systems, you know, stabilization systems and, you know, the focus stacking function is you can actually do some of these things handheld. Mm -hmm. I, I, I tried it with the OM one this week and it, it worked perfectly. Great. You know, so just think about, you know, which ones you have. Fuji's will do it easily as well. Not quite as good as stabilization, but you can probably pull it off, especially if you're not too close. Right. And that just makes it easier. You don't necessarily need a tripod if your camera can. Right. You know, has I did everything on a tripod, but that was partly for other yeah. reasons, which was that yeah. under the forest canopy, it's a little dark and so your shutter speeds are a little slow with lower ISOs. But but the difference in in the overall, what I would call the cleanliness of the image is tremendous. On shots where I had things that were in space, like a hood ornament floating in space, you know, not, you know, attached. And then there's mm -hmm. a pretty good gap between it and the background. The difference between trying to get it all sharp by stopping down and doing a, even a, just a seven or eight shot focus stack, keeping it at a wider aperture while shooting. I mean, the, the, the aesthetic was so different between those two kinds of shots that, that it really was pleasing to me. Yeah. Now, you know, I, we talked about focus stacking and you were using a 24 to 120 F4. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes there's a temptation to say, well, maybe I could just use an 85, one, two, or one, four, and, you know, really blur out the background. And you can certainly do that. You can end up with a, you know, shot that is extremely simple because it's only the primary subject and nothing else, but you have to think about, does that really work? Mm -hmm. Or have you lost too much of the story about this thing in its environment? I think there's usually a balance there, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's a creative decision. How much do you retain of the background? Depends on the shot that you're making. Mm -hmm. Um, Depends on what's in the background too. Exactly. Sometimes you don't want anything in the background, but I'll I'll flip it to a different. But my only point is you don't necessarily need a 1.2 or 1.4 maximum aperture to make this. No technique work but but here's the thing too if if you have just enough depth of field to make objects in the background recognizable not cluttered you can Mm -hmm. set a uh you can set a feeling of place i mean i'll just give you a silly example you know it's just if you have the eiffel tower in the background of your shot it doesn't need to be in perfect focus for people to know what it is and you'll say hey you were in paris when you took that photo and that's really cool right And, and it establishes something on the other hand if it's just forest you know branches or something like that that would become extremely cluttered there you might want to to go the opposite direction and have have it less focused less you know Mm -hmm. less depth of field so anyway it's just fun now you can also then use that same idea not the focus stacking but but just this idea of how can i further isolate my subject when you when you start talking about your post-processing right or even before that but mm-hmm. let's talk about one quick thing. Um, you know, th- this goes back to a podcast that we did a long time ago, you know, and, and it was something I talked about shooting up in Maine with some, you know, beautiful flowers that were blooming because I couldn't photograph the puffins. Seas were too rough. Anyway, oh, that's right. I had Gosh, a 200 a to ago. 400 zoom lens with me, you know, big monster. And what I ended up doing was using it as sort of a pseudo macro lens. Right. And it was all about, again, simplifying the subjects and stuff. But one of the things that I looked for was background elements that were distinctly different, like very dark mm-hmm. compared to these bright, beautiful orange and yellow flowers. So, you know, one of the things that you can look for as a way of simplifying it is shifting um, your position. So it shifts the background around and simplifies it and does those really dramatic lighting things. Yeah. And and then you can further get there with post. And that's kind of where I was mm-hmm. going. So you can isolate yep. your subject with your optics, you know, depth of field, mm-hmm. but you can also isolate your subject with your composition and with the way it's lit, you know, and there's a reason why studio people use their own lights, right? I mean, they're, they're literally controlling the lighting as a way of isolating their subject and creating light and shadow. And, we found lots of stuff like that where there was really there was you know, dynamic range nightmare, right? But I didn't want HDR. I actually then is, exposed my shots so that the shadows were indeed dark, and then I further refined that in post by using dodge burn type things, so that yeah, you can also the, do only the subject things, was, was pull lit. down the shadows, pull down the blacks, right? You know, all at a gross stuff. level. So all of those things really, really come together and 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 work that way. I like spotlighting techniques too. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're in a situation where you can um, find a, an interesting object that's got 
light just hitting it and not hitting the surrounding area. That's a wonderful way to get a natural version of what we were talking about. But via bot dodging and burning, like you were just mentioning, you can do that in post-processing too. And, you know, pull, darken down the edges, you know, put an area right over the subject, even though it's not in the middle, that's ends up being brighter than the surrounding areas, just to pull the eye into what you really want them to focus on and further simplify things. Well, and I'm just going to throw this out because so much, so many people, when they get into post-processing, it's all about pulling up the shadows and pulling down the highlights and, and compressing all the tones. Now that might be fine for your starting point, but it's In not a very dramatic shots. look. Right. No. And, and, but, but there, I think people forget that you can use your sliders to accentuate dark and make things darker. And by doing so, whether it's the global sliders or a brush tool or whatever you might be using, um, when you darken stuff, it becomes less prominent and that helps to reduce clutter and focus your, your brain on the things that are light, you know, the, the light, yep. dark ju juxtaposition. And if everything starts off like a flat balance, you know, like think overcooked HDR or something like that, there's no drama. There's no impact. There's to no that separation. Right? Yeah. So, so you can do that to a certain extent in the field. If you've got your own lighting or the light is a certain way. I mean, we had diffusers and reflectors and we played around with that, mm -hmm. but you can also then go past that in your, in your post-processing and you'll get very different looks. I shot the same Ford Fairlane um, badge. It was at the side of the car, right. It's, mm -hmm. You know, and, and it was getting side lighting. It was a little bit later in the, in the day or in the, in the, it was kind of getting into the middle of the day. So I shot it with the shadows and I shot it with my diffuser. Now I like the shot with the diffuser. That's what I, what I had where I smooth out. Cause I was doing it. Cause it didn't have a lot of background. It was just side of a panel of a car. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but I shot it different ways because you never know what, which will work. Um, other things, middle of the day shooting, the sun created natural spotlights filtering through trees. So I, I have stuff where I deliberately crank the background darkness down just to, to, to draw interest to the, to the, yeah. um, the subject. So it's like, like everything's an extension, visualizing, composing, exposing and processing, and, and they all work together and each part should kind of enhance the, the rest, right? You, it's and, the, it's the happy family special to use the right. Chinese restaurant analogy. Right. One from column A, one from column yeah. B, one from column <laughs> C, but it's, it's, it's good. And, 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 you know, it's not easy. It's the kind of thing you have to, to practice. And, you know, one of the things I really hope that was good for my clients was that we, we actually spent two days in old car city. We had a full day followed by a half day. And I think the full day is when you get overwhelmed. And by the end of that afternoon, you're just like fried. Then you yeah. look at your pictures, you go back the next day and you say, I'm going to focus more on these. It things. really helps. It, it does. Because it it's the kind of place that if you just went by yourself, you could probably just shoot there for a few hours or an entire day and think you were done. And then you, you, may, you, may be, um, you may be a little bit disappointed with some of your images because you just weren't ready for the, the nature of that overwhelming <laughs> subject. Yeah. Well, but anyway, hopefully it's those, fun stuff. Ho hopefully those thoughts give every all of our listeners some creative ideas that they can use you know in the near future i'll just point out a couple of things that i'm aware of you know where people 
could come join you or both of us. I was going to say, I was thinking the same definitely thing. Definitely do this kind of stuff because it's planned to be an element of it. One of them is what we were just talking about, your upcoming Croatia um, cruise yeah. trip. And Private charter even. It's yeah. Very and cool. Do you remember the dates for that off the top of your head? I think the sailing is August 27th through September 3rd. But we, you know, there you would want to but come it's on in your website. It is on it's on the website. Um, I'm offering a photo workshop as a extension, so you can go on the cruise as a vacation. And if you want to join me for the photography group, that's a that's a, a separate thing. So it's but I am booked. I'm going to go. So I mean, I've got right. I've got some people already signed up, and I'm excited because they're a few of them are, are are clients I've met in the past, and they're great folks. Yeah, that that always makes it really nice. And then the other thing is the um, the workshop that you and I have planned for Santa Fe and Taos later in the year. That's what I was going to bring up because there'll be yep. food, there'll be details. There'll There's be so much of this good stuff. And uh, and it works shoot. better, frankly, with the way you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It does. I, I, think, I think when you try to go wide, it doesn't work. There's too much clutter. Yep. Yep. So it's an outstanding location to try some of these ideas so you know we'll put links in to both of them up on our facebook.com slash image doctors page so it'll be easy to to look for them but please sign up because it really is a fun and creative technique that a lot of people just don't do they, yeah. they go for the broader things and you know what really to me makes a huge difference um is going to one of these places with other photographers being right. in a, not a not a huge giant group but just being with other photographers so that when you're looking and trying to see you can bounce ideas off other people in the group it's one of these un it's it's one of the things that's hard you don't put in the workshop bullet points of things that you're going to do but it's a it's a it's a social dynamic of being around other photographers that is tremendous value including to me as the in and both of us as group leaders in the past we enjoy that much more than trying to hit a place um on our own both of us are equally capable of going on doing our own photo walk solitary but there's value that you get by being able to to have ideas um to bounce absolutely off of so it's it's just something to think about it's not it's not a um you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that you don't really describe in marketing material very well. No. Anyway, but yeah, we'll have all that. And so um, anything else, Rick, that you can think of? Just the dates for our Santa Fe and Taos thing are the 20th of October through the 23rd. Okay. So it's, it's a nice time of year there. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, until next time, you can always reach us through our Facebook page, facebook.com slash image doctors and happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.